2: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. ATT. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited time men's collection for the Everyday Guy. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
4: Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor.
5: And I'm Amanda Ripley, a
0: contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Do you want me recording from my end as well?
4: Yeah, everyone should record locally as well. Patrick, that works for you, right? Yep, no problem. Okay, super.
0: That's me and my producer, Ryan, talking to a guy named Patrick Turley for the first time. At the moment, we're attempting to record our interview over the internet. We wanted to hear Patrick's story, and this was the best way to do it during a pandemic. Where are you guys in the world, actually? I'm in Oakland. And I'm in Massachusetts. Oh, nice. Patrick is talking to us from the suburbs of Chicago. He sent me an email one day while we were in the middle of making this podcast. One line of his email in particular caught my eye. Patrick wrote, quote, I wanted to reach out to you and tell you a story with the hope that it further connects you with the history you were trying to share. He described how he'd once met a man who made him, quote, aware of the history of black cowboys and how much they shaped the world I live in today. I just wanted to honor him by sharing all of this with you.
5: Of course, I had to contact Patrick. I'm a listener of the Stuff You Should Know podcast, big Josh and Chuck fan. My whole family listens to it, and I heard NAD for your podcast there. I was just like, I wonder how hard it is to find these people, because I've got something to share with them. Patrick's not a cowboy. He's not black.
0: But his email told such a fascinating story, it set me off on a journey, one that we thought worthy to bring to you in this special episode.
6: Yeah. This a home, it's been a long road for us. We taking ownership over everything owed to us. Royalty, we surrounded by our heritage. Our fist up, cause we proud to be American.
0: A I'm Zaren Burnett, welcome to Black Cowboys, an iHeart original podcast.
6: Cowboys. Hey. Ask yourself what's really in the name. Sitting on a Mustang, riding through the plains. Buffalo soldier, the king of the range. We in love with the cowboy way.
0: Chapter 8, Panhandle Slim, The Singing Black Cowboy. Patrick grew up in Rolla, Missouri, a small town in the middle of the state. It's about 90% white. It's the sort of small-town America that people
5: think of when they talk about the heartland. Growing up, I didn't know a ton of black folks. We had maybe two black families. I knew very well. Raw is
0: also the home of the Missouri University of Science and Technology. Patrick stayed in his hometown to go to
5: college. He was a computer
0: science major.
5: I was doing the radio thing just for fun, and it was kind of the right thing to do on that campus. It was like the crowd I kind of fit with. their music nerds and people who leaned a little more punk rock kind of types. We did a metal show called Trip the Breaker, I did a number of them. I don't know. They were all kooky names. None of it has aged well, right? For example, yeah, like I thought it was real funny at the time that I called myself Notorious PAT. I thought that was just a riot. and it's <laughs> Just not. This must have been around 2006. I don't even remember the particular year, probably a junior at the time. Part of me just wanted to put on a bunch of rock and roll shows. It was pretty simple life back then. I just wanted to play things loud, and I had a bunch of equipment to do that. The radio station was Rolla's own 89.7 FM, KMNR.
0: Patrick started helping to produce concerts and work the soundboard as a producer for recordings of local musicians. That's when a friend of Patrick's at the station, a local in the folk scene, told him about
5: someone Patrick needed to meet. He said, it'd be really helpful if you just meet this friend of mine, uh, his name's Cecil. I said, sure. I'd love to talk to anybody. And he's he got kind of an interesting story. And that was basically the only brief I've got, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go into the studio. I don't know what I'm really getting into. And so when Cecil came in, I said, hi, Cecil. Nice to meet you. I'm Patrick Turley. And he said, you can call me Panhandle Slim. I said, okay, Uh, I'll do that, Slim. He's very tall, much taller than me. I would have guessed a, a solid six inches taller than me, like, you know, six, six, five or something like that, six, six. Oh, wow. And I remember a very big cowboy hat. I think he, he wore glasses, and I was guessing he was sort of like in his 70s at the time. And I said, you know, tell me about yourself. He said the phrase that he often says, which is that I do story songs. And at the time, I'm a punk rock and metal radio DJ. So I don't know what he's talking about. Like, I don't even know a little bit what, he's, what he means. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, maybe you could play one for me because he has a guitar with him. And he said, sure. And he, so he, he breaks out his guitar and he starts doing this thing that I gotta say, like it's not quite folk music, but it's, I think that's probably the closest I have. It's a little bit of a mix of folk music and somewhat spoken word.
1: And his eyes were as dark as her night. And his teeth were pearly white.
5: What I realized was this story about something that, at the time, I just didn't know about. I just had no idea that there was such a thing as Black Cowboys. Just didn't. And so he plays a song for me. And I sat down and I said, man, that's amazing. That's excellent. But I was like, hey, I think you have unique information here, and it's very easy to to connect to. He's a very warm person, too. He's got that kind of old grandfatherly figure for me. And I said, I'd love to help you do whatever you want to do. And he said, yeah, I'd like to record these songs that I have and put them down on an album. And so I invited him back another day, and I blocked generally off an hour to do a first, you know, recording session with Cecil and just get our feet wet, just kind of put something down and he sat down and I miked him up just nothing miking, I was just like put a mic on the guitar, put a mic on his mouth and we went after it, he started playing Esteban
1: and his hair was like the robe of a buffalo Esteban
5: After you played it, I hit stop and I said, let's listen back to that and we can adjust and kinda see where we go from here. And we played it. Seven
1: years they sell the Sevens. And I said,
5: okay, you know, it's not perfect, but I think we can adjust the mics and stuff and do a little bit in, in post and and he said, Yeah, no, it's perfect. Let's do the next one. <laughs>
1: Is the saga of a young cow
5: hand. Born a slave, grew up a man We proceed to do 21 tracks each in one hit And he did them all in a row in one setting
1: He hailed from the state of Tennessee
5: It's just like he was doing it like a private little concert was what it felt like because He was like, yeah, I'll just play all my songs for you
1: But the West is where he chose to be
0: Panhandle Slim's songs cover the range of the history of black cowboys. From the earliest days, he has songs about Esteban and one about York, the explorer who traveled with Lewis and Clark. And there's Beckworth about the Black Mountain Man.
1: Jim Beckworth, the Black Mountain Man, the hunter, a trap, and a famous guide. He explored both mountain and desert sand. He was the chief of the Crow tribe.
0: Panhandle Slim also has songs about the golden age of cowboys, songs about Nat Love, Cherokee Bill, Bass Reeves, stagecoach Mary Fields, Buffalo Soldiers, and Bill Pickett.
1: I'll tell you a tale of a black cowboy, how he won his fame. Bulldogging was his business, Bill Pickett was the name.
5: He's telling basically almost all the stories that Zarin's trying to tell on the podcast.
1: Mary Fields. Merry was a gun totin cigar smoke and short tempered whiskey drink and female tiger cat. That's it, if you're crossed, ladies and gentlemen. Otherwise
5: and he really love the imperfections of the recording. Like he'd mess things up and those are in there, man. He didn't want to take that out. He didn't want to get it like super duper crazy crisp because I'm inferring a little bit here, but I think what he wants is he wants that feeling of a guy with a guitar sitting around a campfire singing you a story and like sharing an oral tradition and that is imperfect the levels aren't always right he was a scholar and
1: a teacher and a christian soldier man
5: thing I recall, is being struck by basically just the boldness and the individual uniqueness of these characters. I probably had not long before watched Tombstone. (laughs) And so, like, I'm imagining that scene of, like, the Wild West and... You know, you got the Billy the Kid types, where it's like, these are almost characters in a big landscape. I'll sing his bittersweet song. What I was struck by was the depth of individualism in each of the people he was highlighting.
1: He was born a slave in Arkansas.
5: Earned his nickname in the Civil War. What it did for me was it sort of like in 21 recordings, It exposes that there's a lot that you're missing, right? Like, if I have 21 iconic people that you've never heard of, it blows you away for how much you've missed.
1: One of the most famous of that breed was a black lawman named Barley.
6: Did Panhandle Slim tell you at all about how
0: he
5: came to know these stories? Did he mention, like, oh, my grandfather told me these stories or anything like that? I don't recall specifically. He does sort of embody the lifestyle. So he still wears, you know, wranglers and cowboy hat, and you know, that whole thing. He wasn't just a historian about it, right? He saw it as his culture. And so I wouldn't be surprised if that type of history was in the back. Horses under
1: him, but it's hole through his hat.
5: Do you know if he spent his whole life in Rala too? Uh, I think he spent a good portion of his time in Oklahoma City and just outside of Rala, But I don't know a ton of his history, right? Like, he spends his time telling these other stories and not necessarily his own because he's a storyteller of other histories. And maybe it's our job to fold in Cecil's story into the mix.
1: legend of his time 37 long. He long.
4: So you finish the
5: recording and you hand him a CD with it on there and say, here you go. It's not too dramatically far from that. He wanted to credit me in some way. And I remember feeling very strange about that. Like, you did not need to do anything for me. Like, this is your work. I gave you like a three or four hours on a Saturday or something like that. So anytime he printed the album, which he basically burned a bunch of CDs at home, or his kids probably did, and he made sure my name was on the little booklet that he put in there. And I was struck by the amount of just honesty, and he just wanted to make sure that I knew that I was a part of this, even though this is clearly his material. I didn't write a bit of it. We did that, and then I saw Cecil maybe once or twice after that. I mean, I just, I just didn't see the guy a lot. But I reached out to you guys because this is a fundamental thing for me, right? Like, it's a big moment where I'm exposed to culture that I didn't know about. He did it in a way that was not particularly selfish or, like, ego-driven or anything like that. He presented this stuff to me in a way that was very easy for me to consume in a very innocent and honest way. It's just fantastic, right? Like, it's just just a thing that was part of shaping my perspective on the world going forward. I love to tell people about him. Cecil's impact on Patrick was
0: powerful. This much was obvious. But there's also an unspoken aspect of this story, something that's also obviously coloring his impressions. Here's my producer, Ryan. I'm curious what you said a
4: minute ago about learning about this thing you had no idea even existed and this part of culture, this part of American culture. And I Just curious, as a white person, did that change your understanding of how we tell history, your understanding of whiteness, your understanding of blackness?
5: Yeah, quite a bit. This is an intersectional thing. I was a a junior in college, and in my senior year, the year just before I left this town, which was my hometown, I grew up there. I'm about to sort of like take a big step out in the world. I also was driving to see my girlfriend, driving a couple of towns over, and I drove by a burning cross in a yard. So within a, y- a period of a year here, right? Like these are two moments that are shaping me. You've got the warmth of this man sharing this awesome, wholesome culture and this striking difference of m- me just recognizing that the Ku Klux Klan and all this hate is also happening right here and in this same space and like in a very, very close proximity. And it was just a moment in which I was like, How should I see the rest of the content that I'm about to be dramatically exposed to as I sort of leave home and really, you know, wide my lens of the world? What does this mean to be a white American? How do I see race in our country and how can I process my own privilege through all that lens? Like these moments, they're brief, right? Like this intersection with, with Cecil is literally like two days of my life, but it's vivid, right? Song and story, both fiction in fact were written their days.
1: Most forget some cowboys are black and the truth goes astray.
0: I immediately wondered if we could get a hold of Cecil. Patrick had lost touch with the friend who'd connected them 15 years ago, and he hadn't spent much time in Rolla since graduating
5: college. And even back then, Slim wasn't exactly easy to find. He's an interesting character because he really cares about this particular topic that we're talking about. And so you see, like he's done recordings and he does interviews and stuff like that. And then as far as I can tell, entire rest of his life, he is out in his land and he's kind of on his own and he's quite happy with that. Uh, You know, he just, he has this message that he wants to get out. And if he's not doing that, he doesn't really want to be around a ton of people. That's the most black cowboy thing ever. You know what, right? Like, it seems like it fits. It's more than just telling the stories. It's a culture and a lifestyle that he's passionate about. We did have a copy of Slim's business card, though. So this was his business card. The funny thing is, is his actual name, Cecil Williams, is in relatively small print at the bottom left, but the big top, it says, you know, king of country soul, black country western, singer, guitarist, composer, historian, and writer. Middle, it's got, a, you know, of course, a nice picture of the American flag and says panhandle slim, uh, have guitar, will travel. I love all of that because this dude did bleed the red, white, and blue. He was very, very proud to be an American.
1: America was young and a-struggling to be free
5: I really do think if you can figure out a way to get to him and that he's alive, because I'm not sure about that either, you say what you're trying to do, he's going to jump on it. Like, I'm certain of that much. Feel free to say, like, it certainly feels like you made a big impact on at least one person, because I don't know that he knows that, you know? You never get those moments to tell people that what they did was really meaningful to you. These were the heroes
1: Of the hour They helped to make our country They helped to shape this country The one we love so well
2: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of Smoke and Audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
0: The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher.
2: Welcome to Verizon Wireless. The number you dialed has been changed, disconnected, or is
0: no longer in service. I tried calling the number on Panhandle Slim's business card. I tried his hotmail email too. Nothing. I did find his defunct website, which looked like it was last updated in the bush years. He also has no SoundCloud and no Facebook, no Twitter, no social media whatsoever. Let's just say this particular 80-something-year-old black man doesn't leave much of an online trail. There was a Facebook post from an account, City of Rolla, Missouri City Hall, from 2012 about a performance of his. I also found a post from the George Washington Carver National Monument from 2020, but the post referred to him in past tense. There were a few local news stories about Panhandle Slim over the years. The story said Williams worked at the U.S. Geological Survey Agency and that he'd moved to Northern California and performed for school kids, not far from where I grew up. One story mentioned a wife and three daughters. Perhaps one of them would be easier to find. But no names were mentioned. I checked all the obituaries in North America for the last 10 years from men named Cecil Williams. There are a lot of Cecil Williams in America who died in the last decade. Like, a lot. But none of them were him. When he didn't show up in the obits, I checked all the phone listings for the neighboring states of Missouri, Arkansas, Kansas, Texas, and finally, there in former Indian Territory, A.K.A. Oklahoma. I found a phone number.
6: Yes, who's speaking? Hello, my name is Zarin Burnett. I'm calling from iHeartRadio. From you call him from where? I have a podcast called Black Cowboys from iHeartRadio, and I'm doing a project about black cowboys. And I heard Cecil Williams' music, and I wanted to talk to him about his songs about black cowboys. Let
3: me see if I can get him. He's outside getting
6: a little sun. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. Hold on. Finally, we found him. This is you about the uh, black cowboys. Okay, here he is. Hello, where are you speaking? Hello, Cecil. My name is Zarin Burnett. I am a podcast host. I have a show called Black Cowboys, and it is about stories of the black cowboys of the great Western past. And I wanted to see if I could... uh, Talk with you about your songs and about your past and about being a singing black cowboy. Would you be interested in doing that? Oh sure, you betcha. Oh,
0: Panhandle Slim sounded every inch of the black cowboy I imagined him to be. He was both friendly and open, inviting to strangers, but also a little bit reluctant until he knew what he was getting into. He reminded me of some of the older men in my family, my father's uncles, men who didn't rush into things. It's a
6: vibe I recognize. The Panhandle Slim, do you think of yourself as a singing cowboy? Oh,
3: yeah. I have a, I never had a singing lesson, but I, I hear songs, I hear tunes, and I like the tunes, so I started working on them. But I never had a singing lesson in my damn life.
6: And did you teach yourself how to play guitar?
3: Yeah, I played guitar. And did you teach yourself? Yeah, that's another thing. I had a war hoop to go to Flea Market and buy me a guitar. And he got one for $10 the damn thing, it was warped, and I couldn't keep the tune. So the wife said, if you're going to play guitar, you ought to buy a damn guitar you can pick. So I went out to, oh boy, the soul guitar. I had to pay a hundred off that damn thing, but I'm still using it.
0: I wanted to know where the stories in Panhandle Slim's story songs come from. Were the stories the foundation upon which he built his songs? And who helped him to build that foundation of stories? Was it family?
6: I would love to know about how you first learned the stories of the black cowboys. From what I've read, it was your grandfather who first told you about black cowboy stories?
3: My grandfather, he used to share a crop across them from the Indian reservation. So we learned many different ways. Believe it or not, we went to all black school. In those days now, we, all black school. By law, we studied United States history, Oklahoma history, and i had black peaches. He told us about our black counterparts, which was the, was the black people. So we learned about the five civilized tribes. We learned about the Great Marches when they left the South and came to Indian Territory. So we had a pretty good
1: idea about what the blacks did. We know the legend of Robin Hood and the bandits of Sherwood Forest. The famous name of Jesse James and the polite of Pretty Boy Floyd. But there are gangs of a different hue, I'll share with you a few. Their calls indeed were just as noble but another point of view.
0: I wanted to understand how these cowboy stories of the Black West had turned into Panhandle Slim's songs, and really had turned into Slim's life work. It turns out Slim's wife had a big hand in helping Cecil write and share the stories. It was both their life's work.
3: I graduated, and his wife graduated from Langston University, and so we uh, still had the background of what the blacks had done. She was teaching school, and I was working for the USGS, the U.S. Geological Survey. I'd go to the school in my spare time and tell the kids about the songs you talked about. We'd add on to that, and I would go into California. I'd go in my spare time. I would add more to it. Pretty soon, we got the 25 songs, and...
6: And how did the children respond to the stories of the black cowboys of the Old West? Well,
3: they were amazed because so they didn't know. But how did they not know about them? Well, they didn't know about them. They were not taught in school. When my mm-hmm. wife went to California. She taught at an integrated school. and She found out right then that the, the songs I was writing and we were performing, it tied right in with what we, had, we were taught back in 1949. And so all we had to do is just keep singing and writing and performing and working. And that's how we got these
6: songs lined up. Really great that you took what you learned and then said we were going to keep passing on this as black teachers to these students. That was like a great tradition to maintain.
1: El Caney, Santiago.
0: This is the same sort of tradition I'm trying to uphold with this podcast. But of course, these stories came from my pop. I never learned them in school. That doesn't really happen in America. The integration of public schools was important on a cultural level. It signaled that all American children are equal. But on the practical level, it meant that Black children didn't necessarily have Black school teachers anymore. Which, as Slim points out, meant they no longer received lessons in Black history and culture that they would have otherwise learned. Instead, they were taught stories from a history that centered white people and their worldview, given lessons in a history that not only shoved black stories to the side, but often erased them completely.
3: What I want to say also is that when we got to California in the the blacks in California, not knowing what we had done as far as people of color, the wife specifically pointed out to the kids, we were not isolationists, but she said, if you will tell the kids and the adults we work with that we were part of the overall pitch. In other words, we did things, the whites did things, and we worked as a team. Teamwork was what was important to us in those days. Until this day, we still feel the same way.
6: In in your story songs, you capture exactly that spirit. Like, for instance, uh, your song, Nat Love, one of the lyrics is, when the last song has been sung and the very last story has been told, there's just one more story I feel that my friends ought to know. I love that idea.
1: When the last song has been sung And the very last story has been told There's just one more little story I feel that my friends
6: all know. Do you see and feel that that is essentially your message is like I'm going to make sure that my friends need and ought to know these stories and I'm going to do my best to pass them on.
3: We kind of enlighten the people as we run along that's how we to this day portray everything Those stories I tried tried my best to get them close to the real McCro as I could but the, as Ruth pointed out, if we can get the other part of the nation to understand that we were working as a team.
6: Now, d- did you and Ruth work on the songs and the lyrics together?
3: Her being a teacher, she said, now, this phrase right here, it's okay, but we can do better. So I- I'd rewrite it.
6: Okay, so she was like kind of a, an editor for you. Oh, yes. <laughs> she was
3: rough, but <laughs> it worked.
6: How did you get the nickname Panhandle Slim?
3: Well... Here we go again. <laughs> Our old boy that I was rooming with back in Langston, Oklahoma. I'll make this short for you. We looked at the yearbook. I said, boy, if you're the gal right there. He said, yeah. He said, I know her. He said, look at him. I said, if she comes to Langston, will you introduce me to her? He said, "What well, my girlfriend? I said, well, you dumbass it should be because good does she look. So when she came to Langston, I was introduced, but she didn't have no big interest in the country, boy, like me. But the bottom line... I hung in there for four years. No shacking in those days. Finally, she said she'd marry me. said, I've been married to her for how long? How many years, baby? 65 years.
6: <laughs> Congratulations. Still
3: hanging in there.
6: <laughs> that, did she give you the nickname Panhandle Slim?
3: Yeah, and then what happened? We were roommates. And I had a pair of jeans on, we'd been hauling it, and I had them panhounds, they were tight jeans. We were just regular jeans, hell, so he, he he called me panhounds, and other people I had the slim, so I let them off. Panhounds seemed good enough for me.
1: <laughs> it's a great nickname. The story is true, so now must be told. This is how it happened many, many years ago.
6: Do you remember in like, around 2006... About 15 years ago, you recorded uh, all 21 songs at the University of Missouri at Rolla, and there was a young kid named Patrick Turley. Uh, He was a white kid. He would have recorded you, just you and a guitar, and sitting there, and you played for him all 21 songs. Do you remember this?
3: Yeah, I remember that. I remember the word Turley because I went to the studio, and I I don't know exactly where I was located, and I do remember him.
6: He was really impressed with how you sat down and just told him about a world he'd never known about.
3: Like anything else, we we were just chit-chatting, talking stuff he didn't know about. I'd share it with him because everybody has experiences. Some they they know about, some they don't know about, and so that's how the the recording's kind of The floor.
1: Emancipation War ended in eighteen sixty-five.
0: Before our phone call ended, Cecil told us about the time when the singing black cowboy flew over to Africa to perform his story songs about the black West before an audience in Lagos, Nigeria. It was part of a cultural exchange program that brought American artists to Africa.
3: Since 1500 people, Lagos, Nigeria, and I was the only guitar pick in boats. I had all kind of perks that worked my favor because they would never seen a, guy with a cowboy hat on and cowboy boots. In a Texan, I said, I ain't no Texan, boys. I'm an Okie, but by God, that's what I do. I prayed for the northern Nigerians. They were the horsemen of that part of the country, if you look at the map. And I've met a lot of people that I wouldn't have met otherwise.
0: That moment for him in Africa, when he was exposing people to music and stories they'd never heard before, showing them a way of life they'd never seen before. It mirrored the same moment that Patrick experienced back in Little Rolla, Missouri, in the basement of the university down in the college radio station as he recorded Panhandle Slim. That one small moment shared between two men, a connection made in the shape of some cowboy songs. As Patrick tells us, that, quote, Was part of shaping my perspective on the world going forward and i love to tell people about it that's exactly how panhandle slim feels about his story songs and it's how i feel about sharing these stories of black cowboys with you hopefully we can all help shape each other's perspectives which will help us all going forward sometimes real and lasting change can start with something as simple as a song or a story
1: Thanks for listening strong their way the south looking for a people of our land Father's sisters
0: Black Cowboys is written by me, Zarin Burnett, produced and edited by Ryan Murdoch and Michelle Lance. This episode was edited by Mitra Bunshahi. Our theme song is written and performed by Demeanor. Mixing by Jeremy Thal. Show logo by Lucy Quintanilla. Executive producers are Jason English and Mangesh Hatikader. Special thanks to Patrick Turley and Panhandle Slim for sharing their stories. And special thanks, as always, to my pop.
1: What about that 40 acres? On the day you set me free. And what about that, that gum you?
0: why and what it all means. Follow The Global Story
2: from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza and my new podcast Will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a Who-Done It for the Ages. Listen to the Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company.
2: Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.